So, uh, I'm one thing behind the mask, and I'm something else with the mask. Alright, you get the idea here? And uh, we act like we're one thing outwardly, while we're really something else inwardly. So, watch this now. Hypocrisy can work in two directions. It can work in two directions. Most people think of someone who is pretending to be righteous uh, on the outside while being rotten and sinful on the inside. All of us have been guilty of this. All of us have put on a good front, um, uh, but uh, truthfully, on the inside, you know, been, been sinful. We've even, like, spoken out against something that was wrong while we were doing it ourselves uh, privately, and we didn't want other people to know it. All of us, at some point in our life, have been guilty of this on some level. But did you know that hypocrisy can work in the opposite direction? Watch this now. If you are saved then according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are what? You're what? A new creature. So, that means that your body is the temple of God, and the Holy Ghost indwells you, and so you are now a new creation. So to act like the world while you are a Christian is being a hypocrite. You're putting on a mask and pretending to be something that deep down inside where the Spirit of God dwells in you, you are not. Did you know for a Christian to skip church is hypocrisy? Because, uh, because you are a Christian and Christ bought the church, you go to church because to be a, someone who is passionate about Christ means you're passionate about the things of Christ and Jesus Christ is passionate about church. Did you know that for a Christian to curse and uh, swear and take God's name in vain and live sinful and live like the world, did you know that that also is hypocrisy? Because inwardly you're saved, but outwardly you're portraying that you're lost. You're wearing the mask of the world while deep down inside you're saved. Now that's not the angle we're going to take today. We're going to look at the opposite side of the coin and talk about people who are iniquitous and debaucherous inwardly on some level uh, while, uh, while uh, pretending to be righteous outwardly. Let me give you an example of someone who was uh, a hypocrite in that other direction. Do you remember Peter? you remember Peter? Give me a little more volume, guys. you remember Peter? Um, he, he followed Christ afar off, all right? And he got to the place where Jesus was being tried. Jesus is, John and Jesus are inside the, the uh, courtroom, if you will, and, and he's being tried before the high, high priest, and Peter is out warming his hands by the fire. Now, who was Peter? He was a disciple of Jesus. And they said to him, are you one of Jesus' followers? And what did he say? No, not me. And then a little later they said, um, you're, you're, you're a Galilean. Your speech betrays you. I'm not, no, not me. And so a little third time someone said, I know you're one of Christ's disciples. And Peter began to curse and swear. Curse and swear. He was being a hypocrite. Inwardly, he was a follower of Christ. Outwardly, he was portraying something else. Now, hypocrisy comes in many forms, but we must heed the command of Christ, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. I ask myself this question regularly. If Jesus Christ was walking planet Earth today, which group of organized religion would he single out as being Pharisees and hypocrites? 
I hope and pray it wouldn't be our church. I'm afraid it would be a lot of independent Baptist churches. I hope and pray it wouldn't be me or you. May that not be a descriptor of White Oak Baptist Church. How do we keep hypocrisy out of our heart? We must look down inside and be brutally honest with ourselves during this morning's message and then again on a regular basis. So I'm going to give you four angles I see, and there's probably more, but four angles I see out of Matthew 6 as we consider this command, don't be a hypocrite. Okay, number one, number one, hypocrisy's motive, hypocrisy's motive, all right? Um, With everything that we do, there is a motive, all right? Let me give you some very uh, basic examples, all right? What is your motive for going to work? What's your motive for going to work? Talk, Talk to me here. Make money, all right? Now, listen, you may like your boss. You may like your coworkers, all right? Uh, you may like what you do. Uh, you may love your job. But at the end of the day, if they quit paying you, you'd quit going. All right? Are we on the same page? All right? Uh, you have to make money, all right? Why? Because you need money to pay your bills and you need money to live. Now, if you've got billions of dollars in the bank, uh, you may go to work just because you love to work and, and, and you're one of the rare exceptions to the rule. But all of us working class people, we need that money because we need to pay our bills and live life. So watch this. You go to work with a motive in mind. All right, let me give you another example. Why do you drink water-based liquids? Why do you drink water? Notice I didn't say, why do you, not, why do you drink water? Because not all of us here drink straight water, all right? How many of you ought to drink more straight water than you do? Be honest, right? Come on, be honest. You're in church. Don't lie, all right? Um, um, I don't really like drinking plain water. I'm glad I'm married, all right? Um, I sit down to eat my lunch and dinner, and my wife has this giant tumbler of water in front of me. And I'll sip, take a few sips while I'm eating, And a regular conversation we have several times a week is, you didn't finish your water. And I pick that thing up and I just try my best to guzzle it down and get as much of it down as I can. And then I dump the rest in the sink. All right. Uh, But uh, why do we drink water? Why do we drink water-based liquids? Because we want to live. Right? I mean, at the end of the day, if you stop drinking water, you can't live life. I mean, you can go, what, 30, 40 days without food. I don't think you go more than 7 to 10 days without water, if my memory serves me correct. Uh, You have to drink water to live because our bodies are made up of water. So there is a motive in everything we do, even down to drinking water. So oftentimes when we do things, we can be completely unaware of what our motives are. All right, let me give you some examples of maybe... Uh, why you may, motives you may be unaware of, all right? Here's one that will make you stop and think. Why did you come to church today? Why are you here? All right? I hope, I hope they're for the right motives. Did you know some people come to church because that's what they've done their whole life and it's their habit? You know? They just go through the motions every Sunday morning. They get up, get dressed, go to church. That's what we do. Did you know other people come to church for the community? Just for the community. The sermon time is something they endure. Uh, they don't really sing out much during the songs. 
It's just in one ear, out the other. But, boy, they sure enjoy the chili cook-off. They sure enjoy, you know, the international dinner. They sure enjoy uh, all of the events where they get to socialize and interact what, what is your motive? And again, you have to answer that question. Everyone's different. And there's nothing wrong with community. Community is a reason why you should come to church. That ought to be your secondary reason, not your primary reason. Okay? Why are you nice to your family? So they'll be nice back to me. Why else would I be nice to my family? One good way to find out what your motive is, is wait till your family member stops being nice to you. Can you keep being nice to them for a prolonged period of time? You see, we, we're, se- we're selfish with a lot of our motives on a level that oftentimes we don't even fully understand ourselves. Um, we're manipulative. Manipulative. We're kind so we can get kindness. We love so we can get love. Uh, we're, we're, we're giving so others, others will give back to us. Why are you nice to your family? Here's another one, all right? What was your motive on why you got saved? How many of you here this morning will admit, I got saved because for just strictly for the reason, or mainly for the reason, primarily for the reason, I just didn't want to go to hell, all right? How many of that was your reason? I didn't want to go to hell, so I got saved, all right? How many here say, I got saved because I, I wanted to go to heaven? My motivation was heaven. How many don't really know why you got, you just did, all right? Okay. Um, all of us have, what I'm trying to drive at this morning, and I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip on your motives, I'm trying to show you that um, behind everything we do, there is a motive. So, the main identifier of hypocrisy is the driving motive for why we do what we do. Alright? Spiritual hypocrisy is driven by, letter A, a desire to impress man. A desire to impress man. Man, and I'm talking about mankind, men and women, okay? But the Bible uses the word men or man. Look at verse number 1 of Matthew chapter 6. Let me show you what I'm talking about here this morning. It says, Take heed that ye do not alms, look here, before men to be seen of them. Verse 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and the streets, that they may have glory of men. Look down at verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Look down at verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. We'll look at these spiritual actions of giving, praying, and fasting here shortly. Um, but what I want you to see is that hypocrites broadcast these actions both covertly and overtly in order to impress those around them. A hypocrite gets dressed up for church so that they can impress others at church by what they wear. And I'm going to tell you how subtle this one is, alright? Let someone walk in the door that isn't dressed like us. How do you treat them? Are you just as warm and friendly with them as you are with someone who appears to be of the same economical status that you are? That appears to be the same as you? Why do you get dressed up for church? I'm glad we have a church where people get dressed up to come. But do you know we don't have a dress code at White Oak Baptist Church? 
You come in dressed however you want, as long as you're wearing something, we're going to love you. Amen? People say to me, Pastor, I get asked this all the time, what's the dress code at your church? Here's what I tell them. Wear clothes. That's the dress code. All right? You don't wear clothes, you're going to have a problem. Wear clothes. All right? A hypocrite sings a special in church for the recognition of man. Wow! He can sing really good! Oh, man, brother, you got some pipes, let me tell you. You can really let it fly. Wow, she hit that high note. I mean, it just crescendoed. I thought the windows in the building were going to break. She can really sing. Hypocrisy is um, built on the, the, uh, uh, the impressing of man. Um, a hypocrite carries his or her Bible in such a way as to impress those around them of how churched he or she is. I came down this morning from Spanish ministry, and um, I've got my Sunday morning and Sunday evening sermon clipped in my Bible here, and then I had my Spanish life group lesson clipped in, and it's just too many, too many pieces of paper in one Bible. I don't want to mess up the binding, so I put my Spanish lesson in a different Bible, and I came downstairs today. I was carrying two Bibles, and I'm like, man, I'm really living up to my sermon this morning. I'm trying to impress everybody with uh, two Bibles under my arm. Um, hypocrites are concerned about the way they carry their Bible because they want others to think, oh man, he or she, they really have their act together. The motive of the hypocrite, listen here, if you're taking extensive notes, write this sentence down. The motive of the hypocrite is to gain the praise of man. That's it. However, in contrast... The motive ought to be a desire, letter B, to interact with God. A desire to interact with God. Why is it that we do what we do? It, it, it ought not be to, to impress man. It ought to be to interact with God. Look at chapter 6 and look at verse 3. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. Look here. And thy father which seeth in secret. Can we read that phrase together? Ready? Here we go. And thy father which seeth in secret. Look at verse 6. When we get to those same, uh, that same phrase, read it out loud with me. I'll pause and we'll jump in together. But thou, when thou prayest, enter thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, ready? Pray to thy father which is in secret. Look at 17. But when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou, that thou appear not unto men to fast. Here we go. But unto thy Father which is in secret. It is not, listen, it is not wrong to get dressed up for church. It is not wrong to sing out in church. It is not wrong to bring your Bible to church. It is not wrong to pray in church. It is not wrong to give an offering in church. It is not wrong to serve at the church. If you're doing these things because you want to draw closer to God so that you can have a deeper connection with Him, uh, then, uh, then, then your, your motives are proper. If your consistent motive is do, in doing right is to have a more intimate relationship 
relationship with God, then you will become not become weary in well-doing, and nor will you be concerned with what other people say. Uh, I know, I've, I've watched this my whole life, people will serve and serve and serve, and when the pat on the back quits coming, and the praise from the pulpit ceases, and the recognition goes away, their service goes away. And why are we serving God? Is it to impress man? Is it for the praise of man? Or are we worshiping God so that we can interact with Him? You, you usher week in and week out, not for the praise of Pastor Lejeune or Brother Syrette, but to interact with God. You work in the nursery, ladies, regularly, not for, uh, for God, not for the attention of the parents or Miss Cheryl. Uh, you serve on the bus route faithfully, not to be a part, uh, not, or rather not for a pat on the back, but so that you can interact more with God and His Word. You give, you pray, you fast, not for the attention of those around you, but rather for a deeper, more inner, uh, uh, intimate relationship with your Savior and Lord. So we see, number one, hypocrisy's motive. Number two, let's notice hypocrisy's myth. Hypocrisy's myth. The problem with being a hypocrite is that you end up living a lie. You are a walking lie. You are portraying one thing outwardly while you are something else inwardly. To be clear, all right, I don't think you need to go around and show everyone your dirty laundry. All right? My dad tells a story about when he was a teenager back in the, back in the mid-70s. Um, the church he attended got saved in. They had prayer request time. And uh, a man raised his hand and pastor called him and he stood up and he kind of bowed his head and he said, Pastor, he said, pray for me. I've got a problem. I'm, I'm lusting after every woman in this church. Excuse me? Things got real awkward real fast. All right? Um, you can you can be uh, you don't have to tell everyone every struggle you have in order to not be a hypocrite. All right. How many get what I'm getting at this morning? Okay. Uh, he could have gone to a pastor in private and said, "I've got a problem with lust and I need help." All right. He didn't need to get up in church and tell all the women he had a problem with his eyeballs. That just made it real awkward. Okay. Um. Um. What I'm really getting at here this morning is that um, uh, you don't live a life that's based on a lie. All right? I want others to see me as one thing on the outside while I'm really something else or someone else on the inside. So his hypocrisy is born out of protecting my public image with others at all costs while living in private sin and debauchery. So when we are spiritual hypocrites, we end up, uh, what do we end up lying about? Letter A, notice, we lie about our righteousness with God. Our righteousness with God. Turn over to Matthew 23 and look at verse number 1. Matthew 23, turn over there. This is the most scalding, uh, uh, hot, rip your face off, uh, a hard sermon that Jesus ever preached. In fact, he laid in to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, called them all kinds of names, and called them out for uh, their hypocrisy. And he begins by addressing the crowd in front of him who were his disciples. Look at verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. 
All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. Look here. But do not ye after they, their works, for they say and do not. They say and do not. He says, listen, these folks are saying all the right things, but privately inward, they're doing all the wrong things. A hypocrite says one thing with his mouth while doing something else with his actions. What does it mean to be righteous? To be righteous means that you are on good terms with your heavenly Father. Have, do you remember back to being a child and uh, not being on good terms with dad or mom? And you kind of knew they were upset with you or you were upset with them. And um, you kind of avoided them as much as you could. You limited your interaction with them. You, um, you know, uh, some of you maybe are that way with your parents now. I don't know, but or with a spouse or with a, with a friend. And you, you limit interaction and things just aren't real good with dad, right? Remember those days? How many know what I'm talking about, mom or dad? You, you kind of avoided them a little bit, all right? Um, you're not in right standing with dad. And many of us, we want everyone to think that we're in good standing with God. But deep down inside, we're, we've got sin that's cut the line with heaven. I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And we're, we're portraying righteousness, but deep down inside, we're not righteous. Look at verse 20, uh, 25, Matthew 23, 25. Jesus gets on the Pharisees for pretending to be righteous outwardly while being iniquitous inwardly. Look at 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, clean, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and, notice that next word, iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. He's saying here, you pretend to be righteous outwardly while being iniquitous and wicked inwardly. The reality is, man may see the outside. But what we need to be constantly reminded of is that God sees the heart. I remember as a boy, I've mentioned this many times, but I grew up listening to Patch the Pirate, Ron Hamilton, and uh, had a, a just a profound impact on shaping me as a young man. Not only the, the dramas that uh, they put on for kids, but the music that was written and woven into the dramas. One such song made a strong impact on me as a child on this topic of hypocrisy. I'm going to attempt to sing the song for you. I think we're going to have the words on the screen. It goes like this. Our God measures man by His standard divine for He sees underneath Every outward design, he looks past possessions and costly attire. He studies the heart 
every thought and desire. For the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro. We have no secrets that our God does not know. Our Father knows our thoughts. He understands every part. Man sees the outside, but God sees the heart. Our God does not judge by how tall we may stand, or how much we possess, or the rank we command. His gaze goes far deeper to things that endure. He honors the man who keeps his heart pure. Sing it with me. For the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro. We have no secrets that our God does not know. Our Father knows our thoughts. He understands every part. Man sees the outside, but God sees the heart. Man sees the outside, but God sees your heart. A hypocrite doesn't focus on what God sees. He's just worried about what man sees. He's not concerned about being righteous. He's only concerned with the appearance of looking righteous. Hypocrisy is a lie about our righteousness before God. It is also a lie about letter B, our relationship with God. Turn over to Luke chapter 18. Hold your place in Matthew 6. Luke 18. Let's look at an example of someone who was phony, a hypocrite. Jesus tells a story about a Pharisee who was such a hypocrite. Look at Luke 18 and look at verse number 11 with me. I'm going to begin reading. It says, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says in 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Read the rest of the verse with me. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now I want you to watch the contrast between the Pharisee who was perceived righteous and the publican who is perceived wicked I want you to notice the contrast of what Jesus says here. One man who had a great reputation was consumed with a public display of showing off a phony relationship with God, while the other man who had a terrible reputation was consumed with a private prayer to God about a desire to establish a relationship with Him of which he did not have. Jesus made the statement, I tell you, 
This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Again, verse 14, everyone that exalted himself, the hypocrite, will be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What lie does the hypocrite tell? Well, he pretends as though he or she has some great relationship with God. But in all reality, all he does is go to church to be seen of men. Prays publicly to be heard of men. Reads his Bible only when he can be noticed by others. This is a fake relationship with God. This is hypocrisy's myth. So we've seen the motive, we've seen the myth. Let's move on to number three. Let's notice the Christian's motive. The Christian's motive. I'm sorry, the Christian's mission. (laughs) The Christian's mission. Letter A. Let me give you the Christian's mission as Jesus lays it out in Matthew 6. Notice letter A. We are to give secretly. We're to give secretly. Secretly, all right? Matthew chapter 6, look at verse number 1. Verse 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms, that's giving, that ye do not your financial giving before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore... When thou doest thine alms, when you do give to the Lord, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. I'm really curious on whether or not it was actually at this level, to where guys walk through the street with some kind of a trumpet, blowing the trumpet, drawing as many eyes as they could, and then dropping their money in the offering. that's, That's pretty bold, right? Jesus said here, don't do that. Don't do it like they do it, all right? Look with me at verse number 3. But when thou doest alms, look here, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms may be in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, in your bulletin, um, it tells us that we're taking up an offering uh, for our building next week. We're going to push that back to the 26th. And that was a scheduling conflict on my part. We have the missions conference next week. It's a little busy to try to, you know, have a missions conference and collect a large offering. So we're going to push the offering back to the 26th. We're going to push it back one more week. Um, the purpose of the offering, and I'm, I'm going to plug the offering here just for a moment, then I'm going to make the point in the passage. The purpose of the offering is to purchase a, a golf cart so that we can transport people from the second floor to the first floor first floor to the second floor, and also help people get from the parking lot to the door. Um, uh, that would be the secondary reason, but, but that's the thought. And we want to purchase a nice golf cart because, you know, uh, we've had a mild winter this year. Some winters aren't so mild, and, and we don't need a golf cart that, you know, gets stuck uh, in just a little bit of snow with elderly people or people who need to use it on it. So um, we want to get a nicer golf cart, and uh, I've, I've priced those out to be somewhere uh, in the ten to fifteen thousand range, maybe we find one used for less. But so we're, we're wanting to raise an offering uh, for that purpose, and ten to fifteen thousand is a lot cheaper than two hundred thousand for an elevator. Okay, so that's the thought process there. And then we're wanting to raise an offering so that we can better our live stream experience, so that uh, a higher volume of people are exposed to our church, and our church can continue 
to grow. Now, um, as these things go, people don't usually come directly to me when they don't like something, but they do whisper among themselves, and then that makes it to me. I'm not usually given names, but it makes it to me. Do you know that whether you choose to give to this offering or not is a private matter between you and the Lord? To go around and tell people, I'm not giving to that, you're doing your alms before men. And you're you're also undermining the program of the church. Now, you may choose not to give anything to it. That's completely between you and God. I will never know, nor do I want to know, but it needs to stay between you and God. You may come in next uh, in two weeks and you may lay in a check for several thousand dollars in the plate. Hey, we need some people to come in and lay in. We need about $70,000 raised. We need some people to come in and lay uh, thousands, uh, the checks in the plate for several thousand dollars. Some of you are able to do that. You, don't, you know what you don't need to do? You don't need to let that slip. You know what I mean? You need to do your alms secretly. Secretly. Whether you give occasionally, you give faithfully in a small amount or a large amount, that is completely between you and God. I don't know who gives what. I say that regularly. I'm going to keep saying it regularly. And if it wasn't for the IRS tax code, we wouldn't know who gave what. But by IRS law, we have to keep a record who does the giving here at our church. And so your giving is between you, God, and Brother Owens. Amen? And he keeps that private. Amen? And uh, we only do that because we have to. And uh, we are organized. Amen? We do our best to be organized, with, especially with people's money. Your giving is to be in secret. Letter B, notice the Christian's mission, not only give secretly, but letter B, pray privately. Pray privately. Look at Matthew 6 and look at verse number 5. Verse number 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets. They may be seen in men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. I was speaking to a pastor recently who privately told me that he has difficulty speaking on these three topics of giving, praying, and fasting. He said, because while I do them, I am highly uncomfortable talking about them because of the intimacy that I enjoy with God. He said, this, these things are almost matters too private to preach on. Now, I'm going to make a bold statement, but I think within context of the sermon, you'll understand it right off the bat. Here's the statement. If you do more praying publicly than you do privately, then you are guilty of hypocrisy. You do more praying publicly than you do privately, you're guilty of hypocrisy. Pastor calls on you to pray, maybe you usher here and you get called on to pray regularly. If that's the beginning and end of your prayer life, that's hypocrisy. You say, well, I don't have a choice getting called on to pray. Maybe you don't, but you do have a choice on whether or not you pray outside of church. You teach a life group here and you get up and you pray to open your life group. And you pray some prayer that makes it sound like you've been in the presence of God. But you haven't been walking with God. You're just getting up teaching the Bible. 
There's nothing wrong with public praying. I'm going to call on someone to close the service out in prayer in a little bit. But that should be an overflow of a strong private prayer life. I'm going to tell you something this morning that everyone in the, is going to make everyone in the room uncomfortable. All right? You listening? I love to smooch with my wife. I love it. All right? I think I even love it more than she does. All right? And I think she likes it. All right? Now, I don't know why. All right, I've looked at myself in the mirror. I don't know why. All right? How many of you, if I keep going down this conversational path, are going to start getting, at some point, going to start getting uncomfortable? Okay? You ought to. You ought to. Okay? Watch this. I don't kiss her or enjoy uh, physical uh, romance with her to impress you. I do it because I want to interact with her. Are you understanding the point I'm trying to make? We don't give or pray or fast because we're impressing those around us. We do it so we can interact intimately with God. Letter C, fast discreetly. Fast discreetly. Look at Matthew 6, verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. They may appear to men, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, I haven't eaten. Oh, woe is me. Appearing to men of fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou, may, uh, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. Now, notice it says, When ye fast, not if ye fast. When ye fast. Alright? You know what the assumption there is? That you do fast. Alright? Um, you know what it means to fast, right? It means that you don't eat food when you would normally eat food. How many of you are like me and you could afford maybe skip a day of eating? Alright? Okay? Alright? Um, some of you say, well, I've got a medical thing and if I don't eat, I'll pass out. Or if I don't eat, I'm going to have some kind of medical... Situation, I get that's a thing. I do. I'm not making belittling it. That is a thing, okay? But do you know that you can fast more than just food? What if you fasted television for a day? What if you fasted your smartphone for a day? You think you could do it? You think you could put that thing down and not touch it for 24 hours? I got my screen on time report today. I looked at my phone an average of four hours a day last week. For some of you, you're like, man, I've doubled that. Triple that. What if I were to have spent four hours in prayer a day last week? Now, I don't, I'm not on social media. I don't have any social media apps on my phone. All right? A lot of that is, I, I, 
A lot of that is work-related. A lot of that four hours is work-related. But not all of it's work-related. What if I were to take the hour and a half to two hours that was leisure-related and I were to spend those... We say we don't have time to pray. But maybe it's that we don't take the time. Why do we... Why should we fast? Watch this. When I fast... I'm giving up something the flesh craves so I can suppress the flesh so that the Spirit of God can lead me into a greater spiritual victory. The flesh and the Spirit are constantly at war. They're button heads. They're battling every day. And you know what? When you don't feed the flesh, it gets weaker and the Spirit now has an easier time winning the day. Some of you here can't overcome a sin problem. Take a day a week and fast and ask God to give you victory over that sin struggle. Some of you here have a loved one who's going through a hardship and uh, you just don't know how to quite get a hold of heaven. And maybe you just need to take a day a week and say, I'm not going to eat or I'm not going to look at a cell phone or I'm not going to be on social media or I'm not going to drink coffee. And instead, I'm going to give up that time and I'm going to pray to God and I'm going to see victory in my life or the life of someone that I love. Now when you do it, don't go around and tell people you're doing it. Right? Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty hungry. Oh, well, you should eat something. Oh, I'm, I'm not eating today. I'm, I'm deep in prayer with God. Be discreet about it. You're not doing it, oh, he is so holy. Oh, I wish I could be as spiritual as her. We're not doing it for those reasons. You're doing it so that you can deeper interact with God, not impress man. That's the motive. Number four, lastly, notice the Christian's merit. Christian's merit. Look at verse four. Matthew 6 that thine alms may be in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, look here, shall reward thee openly. Look at verse 8. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Verse 18, read that last phrase with me when we get to it. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Let me give you some Bible examples of folks that have been rewarded openly. You remember when um, Mary uh, poured the alabaster box over the feet of Jesus? The expensive perfume that uh, biblical historians tell us uh, was a year of earnings. Something that would have been poured over the body of a loved one and the, the lack of the embalmment ritual. She took that and poured that over the feet of Jesus and washed her hair. And the Lord Jesus tells us that her motive in doing it was to worship the Lord and preparing His body for burial. Here we are thousands of years later and we're still talking about Mary. She's been rewarded openly. How about the lady? 
lady who put her two mites in the offering plate while all the other Pharisees giving of their abundance. And Jesus said, that lady gave more than all those men combined. Here we are thousands of years later. We still don't know her name. But we know that she gave of what she had to the Lord. She's been rewarded openly. How about Simeon and Anna who prayed privately that God would send the Messiah and they got to hold the Messiah as a baby in the temple the day that he was ordained or the day he was given over there in the uh, day of circumcision. They they got to uh, hold him and here we are thousands of years later talking about them. I'll finish the sermon with this. Hypocrites who do things with the wrong motives. You know what ends up in the end? They end up exposed. Exposed. And you know what happens? They give up on God, and they give up on their faith. Because they were in it for the wrong reasons. Oh, I'm not going to paint with a broad brush here. Because there are many reasons why somebody does this. But all hypocrites eventually burn out. And fall by the wayside. That's not the only reason why people burn out. But it is a factor of all hypocrites. Something that happens to all hypocrites. You will not stay in it long term. You will not be pure long term. If in your heart you're uh, one thing. And outwardly you're portraying something else. Eventually you'll be exposed. And eventually you'll quit. But when you serve God from your heart and you love Him from your heart, and you give to Him from your heart, and you pray to Him daily from your heart, and you fast so that the Spirit of God can have its way in your heart, and you make a habit of that, and you do it for a lifetime, and your motive is not to impress man, but to have a deeper intimacy and a deeper interaction with God, my friend, you won't burn out. You'll be a sold-out servant of the Most High God. And that will last a lifetime. You'll be a tree planted by the river of water that brings forth your fruit and your season. Your leaf will not wither and whatsoever you do will prosper. So I end the sermon where I began it this morning. Are you a hypocrite? I think all of us need to look deep down inside and ask ourselves that question on a very, very deep level. The command of Christ, Matthew 6, 5, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. We admit hypocrisy is a broad, broad problem. But are we willing to admit it's our problem, if it is our problem? You may search your heart and may not find any hypocrisy there. I hope that's the case. But if you do find it there, what are you going to do about it? Confession and repentance is a great place to be. We touched on a number of things this morning. Maybe you want to make a commitment to God that you're going to begin to fast, give up something on a regular basis. Maybe you want to commit to God that you want a deeper, more genuine prayer life. Maybe you want to commit to God that your giving is going to be stronger and that you are going to do alms. I don't know how the Spirit of God is working in your heart this morning, but I trust that He is. It's His 
goal to guide and lead us into all righteousness and truth. May He lead you from error into truth this morning. 